you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. The Around the NFL Podcast. Making America great again. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with some heroes. Chris Wessling to my left, Greg Rosenthal to my right. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. What is happening? What's up? Mark Sessler not with us, feeling a little bit under the weather. I Part of me wants to the old uh, uh, office episode uh, where Michael Scott sent Dwight Schrute uh, to check in on Oscar, who had called in sick on spring cleaning day. Is there anyone from the desk, perhaps, Greg, we could send to Sessler Manor just to make sure Mark is actually ill? Well, it is within walking distance, as you know. Yes. So it it wouldn't be a long trip. I know where Mark is, though. He's on his computer working hard on his sick day, posting stories from home while trying not to infect us. I tried to give him the day off after I heard he was sick. He said, no, I'll I'll post from (laughs) home. So I don't really like um, like the the angle you're taking, impugning his integrity. That's not what I was doing. I was just saying maybe just in, by way of checks and balances. Wes, you know where I'm coming from, right? Yeah, just for gits and shiggles. Yeah, exactly. It would be fun just to just to literally see, just to make sure he's not, like, drinking in the backyard, sitting in one of those kiddie pools in the sun, typing Wait, on his laptop. I if would... I know Mark, he could be sick and drinking in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true, too. <laughs> this is the Tuesday edition of the Around the NFL podcast. Big show, a lot to get to. We can't we can't dilly dally too much here because there dilly is dally. This is this is a very uh, busy show on Tuesdays. We have here's the rundown, in case you wanted to know it. Uh, we are going to uh, recap Monday Night Football, uh, which was a big uh, Bears Chargers showdown of two also rans. So we'll get through that. We had a lot of news, including some massive news coming out of the AFC South. 
the Colts not having a great season. It just took an even worse turn with Andrew Luck uh, going down with an injury, so we'll talk about that and what that means in the AFC playoff picture. Um, some other news to get to. Uh, we are going to investigate, discuss, debate, embrace the debate, Greg, the <laughs> midseason power poll. Yeah, we had the midseason report last week. There was just so much good content. We figured let's save the power poll for this week. It, it's really the poll that gets people talking around America. Wins and losses are nice, but most fan bases, they look to the power poll to find out really how is their season going. That all seems our to opinion, check out. Our opinion matters more. That all seems to check out. Uh, we will also take out the old fork. For the last time this season, uh, we have set a goal of forking and by forking for new listeners that means uh deeming a team or teams to have no shot or just not make the playoffs uh this season we have forked 14 teams to date some have been regrettable and we're going to be uh <laughs> little white knuckles uh grabbing onto things down the stretch but we want to get to 16 we want to fork half the league so we're going to nominate three more teams for forking and um, see if we can get to that magic number of 16. So that is also coming up. And finally, the Thursday night preview of uh, AFC East Rex Bowl 1, Buffalo Bills versus my beloved New York Jets. So that's all coming up. Let's start, though. Like I said, Sydney behind the glass, how are you? I'm doing really well. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. I was just joking about the Disneyland thing, by the way, the four, uh, four, what was it, four-decade ban or four-year ban? I think it was one decade, but we <laughs> you're spiraling here. Okay. Oh. Well, because you, you you guys messed up behind the glass four times, so, yeah, ten <laughs> times four is 40. Wow. Oh, gotcha. Double so jeopardy. Per mistake. Yes, It's per a decade. Mistake. But I was just, just – So I know all, the rules. All that was a joke. You can go to Disneyland anytime you want. Excellent. It's Christmas time at Disneyland right now, so – do they dress up the theme park? Oh, always. In the middle of, it's nothing only is, November 10th. Yeah, well, nothing is small at Disneyland. And it's already packed all the time mm, for Christmas. Okay, would you mind if we could do some news? Absolutely. I feel it's my due diligence to protect this house. <laughs> <laughs> Did he really say due diligence? It doesn't even make any oh. sense, but I love it. Cam Newton, of course. He's throwing all kinds of background data on protecting the house. And if you do want a full rundown of Bannergate uh, between Cam Newton and old Dobbsy, Mike Dobbs, uh, I did write a piece on uh, Monday afternoon that basically takes you up to date, uh, almost like an oral history of what's going on with Bannergate and what it means for Cam Newton and the undefeated Carolina Panthers. Wes, you know, preening schmo, yes or no? He is a preening schmo, and, you know, I feel like, you should get credit for how you've basically been a hardline journo, impartial on this stance. Big time. And you just, just the facts, really. Facts only, Greg. Your thoughts. Yeah, you guys take all of this way too seriously, and Cam Newton's just having fun out there. Yeah, I take larceny seriously, yeah. Right, but, you know, Greg Rosenthal, a guy who taught tennis on Martha's Vineyard, does not <laughs> side with with some, you know, blue-collar guy who bought a sign for $500. A blue-collar loser who wasted oh, $500. Oh. <laughs> Why has he got to be money? a loser? You bring it into an enemy house, you got to expect something bad to happen. It's If you're a Red Sox fan, you go to the Yankees game, you're wearing a Red Sox hat, that might get taken. Taken off. You come. Cam's going to protect that house. It's not all right to take a, a Red Sox hat off a guy's yeah, head just because like, you're a Yankees fan. That's not okay. We live in a civil society. Well, by the Let's way, get to, if you know. wear if you wear a Yankee hat 
at Fenway Park. David Ortiz isn't—he's not going to rip the hat off your head and throw it. Oh, in the it's garbage. even worse if you—you you know, Yankees fans are actually more forgiving than Red Sox fans. You don't want to show up the Yankees. Fans are crazy. Show up to Fenway. Anyway, Greg, come on, relate to the people for once. This has nothing to do with the people. America's on my side. You guys are the hardliners that don't like football players to have fun. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's exactly don't, what it is. Don't celebrate. We're Gargamel. Don't celebrate after you win a playoff win or get a first down. That's Please. terrible. We should take it very seriously. Not a good look, Greg. <laughs> Let's start with the news. And yes, Andrew Luck is out two to six weeks with a lacerated kidney and multiple abdominal injuries the team announced on Tuesday. Uh, This is what Chuck Pagano had to say in a statement released by the team. The injuries happened at the end of the – at the end of an early fourth quarter scramble when Andrew was doing everything he could to get us the win. Andrew was sore after the game and was feeling a little worse Monday afternoon, so we sent him to get tests. Those tests revealed the laceration in one of his kidneys and a partial tear of the abdominal muscle. Uh, They will not require surgery, Greg – but and this is where I have a question. Two to six week injury timetable. Everything, every injury is specific and different. Uh, Keenan Allen, the Chargers just sent him to IR with a lacerated kidney. Are they being a little hopeful that their star quarterback is only going to miss a couple games? We have no idea. We have no idea what the severity of lacerated kidneys are like. It doesn't it, sound great. No, it just makes sense, though, to me on some level that maybe there's difference in severity, just like there's difference in all sorts of tears. So maybe, you know, Keenan Allen's that knocks him out for the season. Maybe Andrew Lux, um, he's able to recover from it quicker. Who knows? It might be the tear in the abdominal muscle that's that is the six weeks. The thing that confused me is Pagano said it's way too early to guess. But you guessed directly below a team statement that said two to six weeks. There's a huge difference between two to six weeks. Of course, they have a bye week. Then they come out of it with two games against uh, the NFC South at Atlanta and then versus Tampa, which aren't the most challenging games in the world, especially not for a quarterback. But six weeks almost takes you to the end of the season. And then this entire AFC South race looks totally different without Andrew Luck involved. I was watching the game when this happened, and I couldn't believe he got up like nothing happened. Mm. I mean, he didn't he didn't wince. He didn't feel he didn't look like it. it he threw really... a touchdown pass literally the next play to Ahmad Bradshaw. If you go if you guys go read the article online, we have the play that he got injured on top of the article. He takes a big hit in the midsection from Danny Trevathan, and then another one right in his back in the midsection from Vance Walker. It's a big blow because Luck was coming off his only good game of the season. They were looking for momentum, but this is different than Tony Romo's injury because Matt Hasselbeck has proven to be one of the best backup quarterbacks in the NFL, and he's not Matt Castle or Brandon Whedon, so I think mm. the Colts can survive. And they get this bye week to prepare. That's true. We we said it on the podcast. Matt Hasselbeck, the two games he played, I wouldn't expect this to continue, but the two games he played were – probably the two best games played by a Colts quarterback all season until this last Andrew Luck performed. I don't think Hasselbeck is having that sort of day against the Broncos ever, so that's a, the, that's a big difference. But in terms of the rest of Andrew Luck's season, Hasselbeck played very well in those two weeks. Yeah, Hasselbeck did do the job, and now they're going to need him to do it again. And, and as unfortunate as this is for the Colts, again, you do get a break by being in the AFC South because when you look at the – What's they're they're four and five right now, so they have a one game lead, half a game. or a half game lead, I should say. The Texans, Jaguars, and Titans. I mean, if you if you were to be put on the spot, those are all probably teams are going to win lose nine to eleven games. You would think, and I still feel that way. So the as long as Hasselbeck doesn't implode 
and they just win one or two games, even if it misses four weeks, they'll be okay. This is a serious question. Yes. Could somebody win the NFC South with seven with six victories? Yes, the AFC South. AFC in, South, yeah. In fact, Football Outsiders ran numbers Yikes. before last week, before the Colts played the Broncos, and I think they had something like a 12% chance that a 6-10 and 10 team won that division. Now, uh, the Colts had a very surprising good win, which makes them look like a much better team. It's more likely that it'll be a 7-9 and nine team. What needs to happen is one of these teams needs to sweep the others. You know, the Jaguars or the Titans or the Texans, they have a chance because their schedules aren't all that difficult to win a couple of these close games. Tennessee, for instance, and Jacksonville play on Thursday night football next week, which on paper sounds like a stinker, but it matters. And it's got two really interesting quarterbacks in it. And one of those teams, I think, has a chance to step up and at least be in a race this year. That's a tradition like West of us. What? The, the Thursday night Jacksonville, <laughs> Tennessee game. <laughs> it oh is my God. true. No one, by the way, I'm can surprised have... they telecast it. To be honest, oh, they have to put on. they have to put them all on national TV one game. So they're like, we'll get both. We'll kill I, two birds with one in stone. In terms of watchability, though, right now those two teams are not in my bottom five. No, I, they have Mariota and Bortles. I right. love watching Blake and if Bortles you're, at this point. By the way, if you're a Jaguars, and I said it on Sunday in the recap show, they had no business losing that game to the Jets. They got to be kicking themselves because they should be three and five right now with Andrew they Luck out be of the like picture. Five for and month. three right now. And and no one could ever say not that anyone ever criticized Andrew Luck's toughness, but no one can ever say anything about it again. The fact that he stayed in the game, threw a touchdown, and had two other effective drives after that. Now I I went with back five of seven for sixty four yards and a touchdown after, after that. Oh my gosh, that's crazy! And that includes a twenty six yard throw to T Y Hilton that they took back by penalty. It doesn't include that. So and it's insane that they had their best performance, their best win after this injury. And did not tear down a single banner that did not belong <laughs> to his person. They probably put up a banner after the game. Yeah. Actually, maybe they'll do it now. Won a game with a guy with a lacerated kidney. Survived kidney. That would be an awesome banner. Uh, at some point, they need to start winking with this, with this banner stuff. Yes, they uh, do. At uh, Lucas Oil Stadium. That would be a great way to start. Moving on, the Broncos uh, will not have uh, Aqib Tlaib, uh, most likely, for a game. The NFL notified Tlaib that he has been suspended without pay for Sunday's game against the Chiefs for his eye poke of Colts tight end Dwayne Allen, who pulled his best Hulk Hogan impression after getting raked across the eyes in the Sunday night in the Sunday game. Uh, this is a situation where Talib is going to appeal and try to get this, I, I assume, knocked down to a fine uh, uh, over the suspension. But, uh, Wes, are you surprised that the gouge uh, led to potentially a game missed? I was surprised that that merited a suspension. I thought it would just be a FedEx envelope. Um, I, I, to me, poking in the eye isn't nearly as severe as you know, illegal hits or, you know, cheap shots to somebody's That head. was like a sign of respect in 1950s NFL. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> hey, how you doing, Dick Butkus? Bang, right in your eyeball. Exactly, and it's also a textbook wrestling move from the 80s. Maybe Tlaib's history had a, an effect. He has been suspended by the league, although you would think those incidents have now run their course, that it wouldn't affect this kind of – I think part of it is also it's on national TV. Everyone saw it. I, I always, the angle of it. I, never, I know, but I always think that's a factor, that it was a big spot. Everyone in the country saw it. Everyone was talking about it, and the NFL wants to show they're not going to stand for it. They should stop trying to show what they're, what they're going to stand for and just do the right thing. Well, the, the big impact to me is really just thinking about this game because Tlaib, it's not the only – Bronco that's going to miss this game, Dan Hansis. Okay. It, DeMarcus Ware is going to miss oh, that's great. up to a month 
Don't step on my news like With that. the back. I tried to set you <laughs> up. It was a transition. Uh, I was thinking about something else, but that was good. Keep going. It's about this week to me because I think Tlaib's out. Where it could miss up to a month, according to Ian Rappaport, our NFL media insider, with his back injury. Suddenly you're missing two of your best players, and I think this Chiefs team is frisky. I think this is a I've been saying that all season, and nobody's been listening to me. The last couple of weeks, the way they've played, I think this is a, a difficult matchup for Denver. I think Kansas City will have a chance to pull off this upset without Tlaib and Ware on the field. Yeah, Kansas City's very frisky. On I would have said that even very if they were on, on the field, defense. so this adds to it. They've played two really good offensive games in a row. I know it's not against right. the greatest teams in the world, but Pittsburgh's had a good defense. They moved the ball at will against Pittsburgh. That's fine, but now the Broncos are going to plug in Shaq Barrett, who's been you know 95% at DeMarcus Ware, and Laurente McRae, who's been good. And their cornerbacks are deep, too. They can stick first-round pick Bradley Roby in there for Tlaib. I, I don't know. Like they, don't this. Need, they don't need to panic, but they do have the Patriots in a couple weeks. Ware might be out for that. Obviously, he, yeah, that's a concern. The Patriots in three weeks. and Shaq, Yeah, Shaq Barrett. First of all, it's great to have a Shaq back in the professional sports mm. radar. Like every other way. kid coming out of college is named Shaq. Shaq now. Mason, uh, guard for the Patriots. I know not a, you're not a I'm not. I'm really plugged guard. in on the guard situation for the Patriots. <laughs> but, uh, no, but it's good to have Shaqs in the – The Patriots? Yeah, that's the new one. It's good to it's good to have a Shaq in the mix. Uh, three and a half sacks and three forced fumbles in limited play. So he's, you know, he's doing some things. Uh, bad news. Meanwhile, over on the throne of Sleaze – Here's the thunderclouds. Deion Lewis, his breakout season with the Pats has come to a premature close. Yes, the dreaded ACL injury uh, takes out Lewis. It was a non-contact injury in Sunday's win over the Redskins. Uh, he uh, it was a non-contact injury. They had hoped that maybe it was just a sprain, but it turned out to be a tear. And this ends a season that was off, literally off the charts when you look at a pro football focus their elusive rating, he had scored a mark of 165.2 this season. Uh, this is typically a scale between 1 and a, one to 100 to give you an idea, and the previous all-time high was 106.9. So his ability <laughs> to make tacklers miss was really no one did what he was doing when he was on and, the field. And yards after contact, even when someone did get a hand on him, was just incredible. Uh, we had a big, we had a bit of an argument down in the newsroom whether to break this news, and I was saying Deion Lewis is a star. He, he, maybe America, not everyone um, knows him, but anyone that's playing fantasy football, which is basically all of America, knows him, and he's the best running back the Patriots have had since Corey Dillon. I don't think there's any question. So it's a huge loss for them. They will not replace him with another running back. They'll just replace him by doing what they always do: is is just adjusting and focusing on their strengths like Edelman and Gronk and Brandon LaFell. But no one on the, in the running back group can do anything like what Deion Lewis does. If I wasn't already a football agnostic, I would be having a Lieutenant Dan out on the ship in the middle of a storm moment with the football gods right now mm. who smited <laughs> Deion Lewis, Andrew Luck, Le'Veon Bell, Steve Smith, Jamal Charles, oh, Jordy yeah. Nelson, Keenan Allen, and they left us with a washed-up Wes Welker and Blaine Gabbert for the rest of right. November. And yet Thanks the, a lot, football guy. I can, I can and yet the Washington team is are still named the Redskins. <laughs> Let's go, football gods. Easy there, Greg. What's, uh, what's up with that? Sydney, can you get a, can you, uh, <laughs> take a picture that we could post on the Around the NFL account uh, with your iPhone just because Wes looks like a seventh-year college senior today? Well, <laughs> sure, yeah. He has his uh, – he's like uh, his pullover sweater. 
over a sweatshirt. A very sweatshirt over a nice button down. The glasses. What do you, what, what do you think Wes looks like right now, Greg? Well, you don't normally wear glasses. Yeah, I would say a grad a grad student, but a grad student at like a a college in the south near a beach. Hmm. And it's a, there's a little chill in the air. Yeah, exactly. It's fall there. But I could go for that. You got your you got your old board <laughs> on the roof just in case the uh, weather clears up. Driving a Woody, <laughs> the old wood panel wagon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you mentioned Wes Welker, who is back in the NFL. He signed. Or do you have anything else to say about Deion? I know you loved him. No, both of you. Guys. Other than that, that as that did I. He's fantasy, a fantasy owners, stalwart. fantasy owners wasting time on Brandon Bolden and James White. First of all, I think White's gonna get more of the playing time. But I wouldn't bother. Good luck guessing when one of those guys has a good game. Maybe they each have won the rest of the season. I would say Dion Lewis is among the best, for an eight-game stretch, among the best satellite backs I've ever seen. I mean, I, it's hard to overstate what he's done. He was on pace for a better year than Darren Sproles has ever had. Yeah. And credit to the Patriots because they unearthed him and turned him into this player. He was just the perfect fit for that offense. It was a perfect fit for player and team and quarterback. Moving on, Wes Welker, yes, back in the NFL, the former Patriot who uh, over over the phone with our friend Rap Sheet uh, had said, I don't understand why I'm not in the league when I watch some of these guys playing today. Well, on Monday uh, he got signed by the St. Louis Rams after a workout. Uh, the Rams needed a, a receiver after Stephen Bailey was moved to IR. And here comes Welker, who sat out uh, all of this year. Um, he had two uninspiring seasons in Denver after leaving New England in free agency, especially last year where he looked slow and then, of course, had the concussion issues. And you thought, well, maybe it would be best that his career ends. But Wes wanted to keep playing, and now Welker has a job. Will Wes, he have Wes and Wes, that's funny. Uh, will he have a role in this offense, in your opinion? I don't think it would be a big role. I went back and looked at my game notes from last year, and, and every week I had written, Welker can't separate and can't do anything after the catch. And that's in a much better offense with a quarterback who uses slot receivers. Nick Foles hasn't used a slot receiver all year. I don't I don't expect Wes Welker to do much in this offense. All they do is give the ball to Gurley and Tavon Austin. To quote, to quote Chris Russo, uh, Mad Dog Russo, Oh, Wes Welker was terrible last year, Mikey. Yeah, I already have a hard enough time watching the Rams passing game. I don't really want to add fearing for Wes Welker's, you know, future <laughs> health to the mix. I mean, I'm not it's the legitimate. O- I'm yeah. not the only one. Everyone that, you know, everyone, a Patriots fan, but even I would say most of football America would would wince when he's taking big hits over the middle just because his concussion history towards the end of his career is is extensive and significant, and he takes big hits. That's kind of what he did well was go over the middle and be courageous, and he never really slowed down at doing that, but you you don't really want to see that now and, and he, unless for some reason he was hurt in another way like his knee last year. I mean, he just didn't look like he was still ready to play in the NFL anymore. I, I hope that voters feeling pitiful for him doesn't affect his Hall of Fame chances someday. And the concussion issue, I think, is, like, if he comes back and he's a shadow of his former self and everybody's worried about the concussions, he's the best slot receiver in NFL history. I mean, that Whoa. that deserves a place in, I, in, in the Canton discussion, at least. I think he needed – I remember having this conversation on this podcast years ago now, but he, I felt like he needed those last couple of years with Peyton Manning and being kind of like the similar to 
close to that level that he was with in New England to put him over the top because he really didn't do anything until he's 26. He, and was, he didn't have those last couple of years to pad his stats and maybe get that recognition. He was a matchup nightmare on the two greatest offenses in NFL history, the two, 2007 Patriots, 2013 Broncos. Mm. And he led the league in receiving three times in terms of receptions. The, the, the Rams could certainly use another – trusty pair of hands it's just hard to imagine that welker is that guy right now but maybe he'll prove they could use another receiver but they don't use the receivers they have uh moving on jim tom sula has given blaine gabbert another start this is not a surprise gabbert replaced colin kaepernick uh this week against the falcons and got the upset win um over the falcons they have a bye week coming up and that will lead to uh, showdown, Blaine Gabbard versus the Legion of Doom in Seattle. I do not like that uh, coming out well for old Jimmy Tomsula. I have a theory about what happened here in San Francisco after Jim Tomsula refused to name Gabbard the starter after Sunday's game or uh, initially, you know, from when he talked to reporters. I think he was, just based on what he was saying about Kaepernick, I think his plan all along was to sit Kaepernick f- for a week get into the bye, and put Kaepernick back in after the bye week and would just give him those couple weeks to clear his head and that Kaepernick was his guy. But since Gabbert won the game, he had to reconsider, talk with everyone, realized he would have faced some sort of revolt if he went back to Kaepernick, and that's why he's sticking with Gabbert. I like that a lot. I buy that. Because he did. Tom Sula literally said that, that he wanted him to get a step away a little bit. I I think everyone was a little shocked that, that Gabbert was able to lead the offense in a competent manner. And you, I think that locker room is a tenuous place right now, and it would have been a, a very tricky, odd move to get rid of Gabbert there. So I'm in, Greg. Good job. It's going to be an easier call in a couple of weeks. It's one thing to do this against a Falcons pass rush that doesn't exist. It's another to go into Seattle. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's gonna... the other way. That's maybe a no-brainer that you keep Gabbert in there, sacrifice him <laughs> to Seattle, and then bring back Cap, and nobody's going to complain. Playing Gabbert, sacrificial lamb. Mach- suddenly Tom Sula, very Machiavellian. I don't see him <laughs> being that way, but yeah. Finally, uh, Mike Pettin uh, said Tuesday, the Browns coach, that Josh McCown will return to the starting lineup uh, uh, for the Browns if he is healthy enough to do so on Sunday against the Steelers. Uh, this after Johnny Manziel performed very well for a half on Thursday night football against the Bengals, but uh, a, a poor second half by the entire team probably doomed Manziel's chances of getting back in the lineup. I still think this is a big mistake by uh, Mike Pettin, but what do I know? Your your guys' thoughts. It's a no-brainer, John. Josh McCown's a much better quarterback than Johnny Manziel, and Mike Pettin doesn't care about your feelings. He's got a job to fight for. I, right. I, I and, think they could do it after the bye. They're going to play Pittsburgh this week. Of course, if they manage to beat Landry Jones, which is – you know, certainly possible, then they'll probably stick with McCown. But if you lose to Landry Jones in Pittsburgh and then the bye week and then you don't go to Johnny Manziel. I what has Johnny Manziel shown you so far that makes you well, think that, like, you even have to see something about him? How many career starts, Wes? I don't know, three? Three? Yeah, they he hasn't shown to, me any. They need to make a decision ahead of the draft next spring. Right, but – And you got to give him at least, I'm saying, like, eight starts. I don't, I don't need to give him decision. that many. Well, this I don't need to give him that. It's a big investment, a first-round pick. That's right. 
But All teams is, do. This is what happens when you're not on the same page. Who knows if that GM is going to be in there next year? Who knows if Mike Pettin's going to be there next year? Who knows if Mike mm. Pettin ever wanted Johnny Manziel in the first place? So when people aren't on the same page, then then you don't get those sort of long-term thinking decisions. That thing's going to get blown up again. I just think Johnny Manziel another year or two away from even being ready to play quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, if he, you get the feeling that if he ever does become anything in the NFL, it won't be in Cleveland. Uh, one other note, since we mentioned him, McCown, Luke McCown, Back surgery, which I have to say, the Verizon campaign, now another twist. <laughs> I bet if they just had the chance, some of those backups would really shine. So let's recap. Luke McCown does a commercial <laughs> of the Verizon where he likens himself to Verizon's backup generators, saying, if you give me the chance, I will thrive, just like the generators for Verizon. He gets his chance in place of an injured Drew Brees, lights out, plays great, the Saints win, back on the shelf, things are okay. All of a sudden... Well, they a lost. back injury. But oh, they did lost. Play Excuse well. me. Yes, uh, a back injury now ends his season, and he wasn't even in. So, what does that tell you about the Verizon backup generators, Greg? They might not even work when they're not being used. Exactly. Which is deeply troubling. See that wow. the guy that that came up with that ad campaign on top of the world now just driving through the desert, like blank <laughs> stare. It's like, oh my god. That's where Sessler is today, driving through the desert with that guy. <laughs> I'm saying just send somebody to check in. I'm not saying I doubt him just for entertainment. I, I would like to see someone sneak up on him with, you know, an iPhone you know, video on. <laughs> he would see, react see what kind that. of reaction happens. Uh, see, that scenario you brought up with Mark before, though, like I would be fine with that. I'm just a results oriented type of guy. He's he's out there pounding out posts. If he wants to uh, get in a kiddie pool in a it's kind of a chilly day for L.A. at least in the backyard. So yeah. maybe that's not the smartest thing with a cold, but, you know, he can do what he wants. He's a quote unquote man. cold. He's a grown man. <laughs> well, I'm just saying if he wasn't <laughs> sick, I'm not saying he isn't sick. I'm saying if he wasn't sick. But we saw him sick yesterday. Okay. So it all checks out. We had some evidence. OK. Um, by the way, Matt Flynn was resigned was signed by the Saints. And I only make that mention because. On Twitter a couple of months ago, he called me a great journalist for an end-around article in which I uh, posted some of his tweets of alcoholic beverages he was drinking. It's a great signing. <laughs> you and Mark have very opposite views on Matt Flynn. Uh, yeah. Mark doesn't care for him at all. He doesn't. And I don't, you know, Matt Flynn seems like a nice enough guy. Mark thinks that Matt Flynn stole money from multiple organizations and he's not far off. This is one of my favorite primetime songs, by the way. Oh, yeah. What's it's it when called? the synthesizer, well, it's all synth, but then the synth really comes in like a soaring eagle. Ready? Here it comes. Listen. And soar. <laughs> Zach Miller made a one-handed grab, a 25-yard touchdown reception. What a catch it was on a Jay Cutler pass with 319 to play in the game. It was the difference in a 22-19 win for the Chicago Bears over the San Diego Superchargers. Uh, this is Jay Cutler who overcame. He had a, a pick six in the first half, lost a fumble in Chargers territory in the first half. Looked very much like the Jay Cutler that Chicago has come to loathe and detest. And yet, in the second half, he made the plays. He threw for 345 yards, targeting uh, Alshon Jeffrey all night with great success. And on the other side of the field, Phil Rivers, uh, Chris Wessling had one last chance to lead them down the field to get the field goal. The drive uh, just came to a halt. They never came close. And you could perhaps 
point to some weapon deficiencies now for Phil Rivers with the injuries piling up. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. Every week they lose four or five key guys, and he's left with Javante Herndon, is that the guy's name, and Dontrell Inman as his second and third receivers, and Antonio Gates playing through an MCL strain, oh, yeah. he was moving at a basically the same speed as Hansis in a cornhole Wait. match. Hang on. <laughs> Wait, cornhole? Is you that... don't even have to move much in oh, cornhole. Okay. All right. Like it was an insult, and then it became kind of, it didn't make a lot of sense, but it still it landed as like a soft insult. That's okay. Yeah, I'm not moving too. That's good. what he intended. Yeah, that's good. Antonio Gates was not himself, and you're right. the The luck of these Chargers, it's been reminiscent this whole season. I've been thinking about that Cleveland '95 special mm. that NFL Network did, Football Life, it was great about one. how tough of a season it was uh, when the Browns ended up moving out of Cleveland. Everything that has gone wrong for these Chargers has gone wrong injury-wise. It's been a plague. Every game seems to have an opposing fan base dominating the stadium. You have you know, the local politicians, and you have the Chargers people talking about that we've you know, re- trying to relocate. Phillip Rivers is there trying to do his best, but the whole thing has this air of just total depression, and they find a way to lose a close game every single week. It's tough to watch. Rivers is driving for a chance at the game-time field goal, and Lamar Houston, who played four snaps the previous week, gets two sacks in three plays, pushing Joseph Barksdale back into Rivers, basically. Bullied him. Yeah, yeah, he bullied him, and it was, you know, that's just how the Chargers season has gone. Remember when I, I he was a top 10 free agent pickup? I mean, I he do. got a huge contract. He's one of many guys who blew his ACL celebrating a sack. <laughs> and now uh, he looked pretty good in the game. He, I think he had four or five QB hits overall. And, and you mentioned Cutler looking like the old guy. I would disagree a little bit with that. I think he looked good for most of the game. He had the one pick six where it was appeared to be maybe a miscommunication with Jeffrey, but that that's still on Cutler and his receiver. The, the fumble – the guy, you know, Charles Leno is what maybe the worst left tackle in the league. Ingram beat him clean and was there in a second and a half, so I don't put that on Cutler at all. I think he played outstanding. From the minute that they missed the kick to make it 16-10 it would have been, it was the second missed kick, I believe it was, by Robbie Gold. It was a short kick late in the third quarter. Cutler only had two more drives. He had to lead them on a 95-yard drive that included – a lot of third and longs, and then he had to lead him on an 80-yard drive, and he did it. I, he was he was just about perfect on those drives. It was a gutsy good game. There are front offices in the NFL right now, and Wes, you might disagree. A conversation we had earlier, but not might a front. There are front offices in the NFL right now where they have team, they have a quarterback problem, where they're going to be watching this tape that Cutler's putting down, and this game is an example. And they're going to be like, "Damn, I think he could be salvaged and be a good quarterback. He still looks like he's a player to me." He's the same guy he's always been. I don't know why everybody gets so wound up about Jake Cutler. He's not a franchise quarterback. Doesn't have to be. That's the one thing that needs to change. Everyone's always like, is Jake Cutler a star? No. Why can't he be a Ryan Fitzpatrick-type middle-of-the-road solid starter? That's one way to look at it the way Greg said. I look at it as Jake Cutler didn't do anything until the Chargers lost their two best cornerbacks for the night. Then forgive me if I don't believe that throwing off your back foot jump balls to Alshon Jeffrey is a sustainable way to play quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> I heard you say that, but the big plays to me were the the third and eight early in that first touchdown drive where they go 95 yards, and that's just a, a But every, every week since Alshon Jeffrey's come back, the offense has been Jay Cutler throwing off his back foot for 50-50 balls to Alshon Jeffrey. I agree with you that he's not much different this year than he ever is. To me, that's just a mid-level starting quarterback, which has plenty of value in the NFL. 
that he's still better than 12, 14 starters out there. I mean, we've given enough time. To if if you're yeah. if you're a GM and you trade for Jay Cutler, you're going to be wanting to get rid of him in a year. That's just the way Jay Cutler's but career has always – it's been going on for 10 years now. I think he could be more successful and have a better uh, stay with the team if we start – adjusting expectations. Up. Yeah. But we that's what we've been saying like every year for, for the past five years. If you adjust your expectations, Jay Cutler is not the answer. We'll, I'm we'll sorry. We'll move on in 15 seconds. But it, it you did make a great point, Wes, in your article that it's got to hurt Chargers fans that Melvin Gordon was not the best rookie running back in this Oof. game. Jeremy Langford. Is Langford the, looked good. It shows you how tough, tough the draft is, especially running back. It's tricky to invest. Had in. to be tough game for Spice Rack. So spicy. <laughs> spice Rack's got to be, you know. Sucking the Ooh. tailpipe right now, man. I, I, he's not my go-to guy anymore after this one. Spicy. Spice you rack. get Spice yes. Rack on the phone at the end of the season. For the 98% of the people listening who have no <laughs> idea what we're talking about, Spice Rack, a uh, football Svengali who uh, In the desert. Give, gives wrestling tips, told them that Melvin Gordon was going to have 2,000 yards this year. So. I don't watch college football, and the Spice Rack, Brad Spicer, one of my friends from back home in Maybe Cincinnati. Maybe you shouldn't say his name. Maybe we should bleep out his name. He doesn't want to be connected to this Melvin Gordon gaffe. Well, he's been, he's been right on so many college football guys that I've – I've basically given him carte blanche, but this is this is a big whiff. Hey, Spice Rack, if you're listening, and does he listen to the podcast? He's off and on, but okay. I, I think he's like 20%. All right. We'll give you a pass on this one, but you got to nail your prediction next draft season. Let's move on. And uh, the group power poll discussion, the midseason power poll, everyone's excited uh, because uh, when the NFL around the NFL team, uh, NFL.com around the NFL team, which is comprised, of course, the three of us uh, that you're hearing today, as well as Mark Sessler uh, out sick today. Also, Kevin Patra in Sugartown and Connor Orr in his uh, New Jersey Haunted Mansion. We all have uh, this week made a list of our individual power rankings uh, at the season's midway point, And then we had a mathematician somewhere in the newsroom crunch those numbers. <laughs> and uh, Tago, a mathematician. Tago. Mark Ortega. Uh, yeah, old Tago crunched the numbers and gave us our definitive power rankings with all the averages. So, and that means, what that basically means, without bragging or anything, is that the this is the order of how good teams are in the NFL. Right. We've, we've got enough voices in the room where there's no way we can get it wrong. Right, Wes? Absolutely. This is basically handed down on tablets from and, you know, Mount Sinai. Don't tell Elliot Harrison, who does the power rankings on NFL.com, uh, that the definitive list is in my hand right now. Well, that's why we only come out every quarter or so, because you can't. There's no way we could write scripture every week. It's too hard. Thank you, <laughs> Greg. You've once again uh, put it into words in a really eloquent way. Here we go. Here's the top ten, uh, top ten, ten, top ten teams in the NFL right now. Number one, Patriots. Two. Cincinnati Bengals, West. can you believe it? Number three, Panthers. There's a tie at fourth, which is just exciting, uh, between the Cardinals and Broncos. The Packers at six, slipping a little bit from our quarter poll. Uh, that's what I meant to – Greg, can you pull up our quarter poll? Sure. Okay, number seven, Seahawks. Number eight, the New York Football Jets. Number nine, the Vikings. And ten, the Steelers. Uh, Wes, I'm going to start with you on this. Uh, anything from our top ten jump out at you as a surprise? No, not one surprise on the top ten. Well, the surprise to me, I'm looking at some of your individual lists. The three of us actually have different teams. 
as the number two team in the league. Now, a, as an aggregate, the group ended up going with the Bengals. Dan, that was your number two team. Well done, aggregate. I have the Panthers. I think the Panthers are the number two team. And it, I could have I seen the argument for Cincinnati. And Wes, this should not surprise anyone, believes the Cardinals are the second best team right now in the NFL, despite their two losses. Why would it surprise anyone? They've outplayed every team they've well, they, played. Well, they're outplaying teams, but they had, yes, the two losses and didn't dominate the Browns. Right, but I firmly and vigorously believe that power polls should be based on the best teams, not the best records. I like that one. I think that if you're just putting standings down, power polls yeah. are useless. No, I agree. The Cardinals are clearly one of the top two most talented teams in the NFL. I'm buying in on the Panthers. I think they're not as talented as Arizona, but I think they're a better – Team, I almost said football team, but I didn't want to. No. National Football League, but you team. never played in the National Football League, so you can't use that. <laughs> I I wanted to because you know, football is a different kind of sport, and I think they're greater than the sum of their parts. I think the defense is great, and I think the Cardinals have just shown enough to me that they haven't lived up fully to their potential, mm. despite that great record. That that I think. When it comes down to it, I still think the Panthers are a better team right interesting now. If the playoffs started right now. It's interesting you say that because since Bruce Arians arrived in Arizona, I feel like they've been the best football team in the league. Oh, sure. I have them number four. That is why they are the team of around the NFL. Team of ATL. Oh, yeah. Uh, the biggest faller in our top ten uh, would be the Green Bay Packers. Back-to-back losses. We had them at two at the quarter poll. And now, as I said, they're at number six. I've got one other takeaway about yes. this top ten. There is such a huge drop-off, whether you want to say it's after the Packers at six or I would say the Seahawks at seven. Even though the Seahawks are four and four, I think they deserve all the latitude to show us that they're a championship-level team. I think they're that. I mean, you're, you're putting the Vikings and the Steelers. The Steelers don't have a quarterback at the moment. The Vikings, the Jets who have been up and down. The Vikings as a top 10 team seems crazy to me, but there's really no other options. I think it's a top-heavy top league. I have the Vikings personally lower, 11. I think they're them. I believe they have the toughest schedule in the league the rest of the and way. And they've had one of the easiest so far. And when you watch them week to week, I'm just not that impressed. They've managed to win close games. Their defense is good. They, they're like the – they remind me of the Chiefs when the Chiefs made the playoffs. They, they, Ooh, they, they win 10 wow. games and then they lose the first I would People be, in Minnesota just rolling over right now, pissed off at Greg Rosenthal. I'd be stunned if the Super Bowl doesn't have, um, you know, two of these teams in the top seven. Right. Exactly. I just – it doesn't – it feels like a very top-heavy – just cut the Jets out of the Super Bowl. Not that – yeah, we're not going to go to the Super Bowl. The top – it's a top-heavy league and a huge middle – this year, it's the, the 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 bottom isn't quite as bad as it as it was for it's the top year. heaviest I remember in the last decade or yeah. so. Here is the middle of the league. Uh, number eleven, we have the Raiders, uh, which is a you know quite an achievement for Oakland. Let's face it. Number twelve, the Falcons. Thirteen Rams. Fourteen Bills. Fifteen Eagles. Sixteen Colts. Seventeen Giants. Right in the middle there in the Dalton zone. Uh, Eighteen Saints. Nineteen Chiefs and twenty. The Dallas Cowboys, Wes, I know you're fired up, so I'll, I'll tee you up on this one again. <laughs> you don't believe the Cowboys have any right being in this middle tier. We did a bunch of Cowboys fans infiltrate our ranks? How did they get to 20 if they've lost six games in a row? You have them 27th. I have them uh, 22nd. Well, I'm going to use your own words against you, Wes. I'm not judging this solely on win-loss record. I'm still holding. I'm. I was really surprised they didn't find a way to win Sunday. So it kind of uh, that it really shook my confidence. But I will say 
that when they get Roman back, I, I still think they have a run in them in a bad division where they deserve to be in that number 20, like 20 to 24 range, not the 28 to 32. But then you'll be able to rank them, you know, higher in the the three-fourth season power pool or whatever. Three-quarter pool, power pool. But right now, they're one of the worst teams in the NFL. Well, you could argue. They're competitive on a weekly See, basis. Thing. Six losses in a row makes them one of the worst teams in the NFL. They looked like the the better team when they played the Giants. I mean, they really did. You you would have made that argument. You know, the Cardinals, you've said. Have one like game in six, they look like a better team. They're doomed. I they sold their soul and they're doomed. The, the Chiefs, I had <laughs> the Chiefs, I had a little higher than uh, seventeen. We we said how uh, we like them right now. I think the Falcons are way too high at twelve. Yeah, who who's this, responsible for this? That that really surprised me. I think I had them at seventeen. At this point, I you had them at, at fourteen. Record, I had them fifteen. You, you look them. Someone you, must have had them in the top ten. I mean, I, their record is fine. They're not a good team. You know, I, I have agree. to say, you know, just to show that I am not a, a homer and Wes again, hardcore, hardcore journo. I had the Raiders ahead of the Jets. I had them in the top ten. Wow. Me too. I had the Raiders. Actually, I had the Raiders nine, Jets eight, but I had them in the top ten. And Raiders. They should be the team of ATL. Maybe they are clearly not in that top tier of teams, but they are just as good as any of those teams that are near the top ten. We have. Raiders 11 and, tw- and Falcons 12. I feel like the Raiders would win by 20 if they played. I agree. I act- yep. And when we were talking NFC East, I put all those teams in a row. Giants, Redskins, Cowboys. I just put them in an ugly little NFC East grouping. In the- Who wants to guess where we had the Raiders at the quarter pole? Probably in the mid-20s. You guys should just get a helmet with a star on it and just join the Cowboys. They are marching. <laughs> they are marching up their power rankings. They are 28 at the uh, beginning of Oh, my of gosh. 20. At the quarter pole, and now all the way up to number 11. So at this rate, that's nice. They'll be in the Super Bowl. The Cowboys, just so you know, Wes, this is where the Cowboys have been. They started at 16, dropped to 17, and now have dropped to 20. So they're going in the right direction, back. They're also dropping games. Wes wants to put them at 33 because Greg Hardy's on the team, but that's not what this is about. I don't like Greg Hardy either, but come on. It's not just about that. Eagles moved up eight spots. I think we've kind of circled them as our NFC least uh, champion, basically, as a group. I think they're too low. They should be. You you think they're better than that? You're well, saying. they're better than the Falcons. They seem to be putting it together a little bit. They're better than the Falcons right now. All right, here is the, uh, the last portion of the Power Poll uh, sponsored by Dick's no. Sporting Goods. <laughs> that's, that's made Can up. we just make it up, that- the sponsor? Is that even allowed? Yeah, we had a con- we had a conference call with legal earlier today. They say fictional sponsorships, not not legal. Speaking of legal, just a little heads up: shadowy league figures stepped in to uh, make something else go away. We'll get to that in a moment. Here is twenty-one through thirty-two: the Redskins, the Dolphins, the Buccaneers at twenty-three, the Titans at twenty-four, Bears at twenty-five, Texans, Ravens. Chargers and Jaguars, ooh, Chargers, both tied at 28. The Niners at 30, the Browns at 31, and the Lions, the consensus worst team in football. I had them at 30, but it's hard to put them anywhere other than uh, that 30 to 32 range. Quite a fall from an 11-5 and team that basically uh, almost beat the Cowboys in Dallas in January. They're a mess. Who do you think out of this bottom 10, I'll, I'll ask this to both of you guys, not really make a run to the playoffs because the AFC South isn't fair. That you know you might not have to be very good. But who do you think out of this bottom ten 
could make a run where they go six and two down the stretch, and they're actually a, a good team. I don't know about run, but it's criminal that the Redskins are ranked below the Cowboys on our list. No, it's not. Sure it is. Why? What have the Redskins shown you in the last month? They, that, look, they've been much. just as injured as the Cowboys, and they've got another win. See, you're going back to their defense losses is again. not playing well lately at all. What are that the Cowboys was, doing well? Their defense is okay. They're running the ball well. Their offensive line is oh, well. it it took it took that to get you to credit Darren McFadden. They're running the ball well. They're right. protecting well. To they answer, did it with Randall too. To answer your question, I I can't find a team here that's going to make a run. I feel like the Texans still could. Hoyer's not playing as badly as everybody thinks Fair. he is. I feel like the my answer would be the Ravens just because. They haven't been blown out once this entire season. They're not a good team, but they could start getting some breaks. I think they're good enough, and they have a quarterback where it wouldn't surprise me. The prop, Their problem is I think they just lost too many games, but they're trying to convince themselves. I don't know if you know this yet, but there, there's some talk in Baltimore this week. It's like, well, look at the, We're only two back in the loss column in the wild card. Mm. It's not the craziest mm. thing to imagine the Ravens in the mix in week six. The biggest gainer in the bottom of the league. You ready? The Buccaneers started our power pole at 31 uh, they dropped to dead last 32 at the quarter pole all the way up to 23 way to at go. the midpoint. That is progress. If you're a Jameis Winston-led team and you can get to the middle of the power pole by the end of the season, you're excited in Tampa. I prefer the other rookie quarterbacks team. I think the Titans are friskier than the Bucks. The The Bucks right now are going to save Lovey Smith's job at, at this rate. If if there was any oh. real doubt about it, I, I think they only need to win about two more games, and Lovey Smith will definitely be back. Bad move from a strategic point of view. So that is the power pole. Uh, we should just, Greg, w- both of us should conspire a little collusion and, and put the Cowboys at one on our thir- three-quarter <laughs> pole uh, power pole just to get Wes's head to explode. I feel like that'd be good, like good television. It's look, you're embarrassing yourself <laughs> and your entire family. Would leave a big hole on the schedule, just in terms of like. <laughs> Did you just go Sammy Watkins on us? You're embarrassing your team and your yourselves by not throwing me the ball. <laughs> I think that sounds appropriate to me. Well, the our our polls are theoretically confidential, Wes. So you wouldn't even know where those votes uh, came from. I haven't seen. It's very tempting. Right. Dan told me that he thinks the Cowboys are like Super Bowl caliber. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Watch the Cowboys play spoiler at the very least at the end of the season. The only thing that gets spoiled is their entire season <laughs> by selling their soul to the devil. <laughs> As I told you, Wes, before we came on, bad people and bad things, good things happen to them all the time. It's just the but world they doesn't. En- but they you. end up unhappy. I'm looking Eventually. at from a happiness and. Living a satisfying life, and you pointed to Donald Trump, who yeah. may well be financially successful, but is not successful as a human being. Mm. Okay, I mean, I don't, I won't, certainly, I won't argue on that. At night, That's when true. he goes to sleep, he's got to deal with who Donald Trump is, thirty, and years, eventually that catches up to a I human. Think, eventually, yeah. right? Before the eighties, I don't think people, or even maybe not in this, you know, people weren't just measuring happiness by how much money you make. Dan hands this, you know, just because you make money doesn't mean. In the cow, uh, you know, Cowboys, for instance, they're making You're find lots out of money. They're not, getting, they're not getting success. When I sit you down, Greg, in the office, and I with my a- high-powered agent, Scott Boris Jr. next to me, <laughs> I won't be able to get Scott Boris, but I will get his son, who's, who's fourteen. Yeah, he's eight. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and he'll decide how important money is to happiness. Yeah, that was an ultimatum right there, or was it? I don't know. <laughs> Who cares? I tuned out halfway through. So it. did I. So. <laughs> Let's uh, now, uh, yes, it is time to move on. Good good power pole segment right there, guys. Really a lot of good uh, p- 
points made by everyone involved. And now let's move on to the fork discussion. Stick a fork in them. And uh, what I what I was hinting at during the power poll segment uh, was we have been using um, shame uh, to, when we were doing the rundown of the the fallen teams, the teams that are have been deemed by us to be a lost cause this season. Uh, but a shadowy league figure alerted me that uh, we could no longer use that for copyright reasons. So instead, I will uh, use a different song uh, or a different uh, drop, one that does convey a lost cause. I mean, this is one of the oh, great sad back. songs of all time. This is one of the top 50 breakup songs of all time from one of the best breakup albums of all time. It is. It's a great, sad song. It's called Lost Cause by Beck. And uh, these teams are lost causes. Here we go. The Cleveland Browns, the Chicago Bears, the Detroit Lions, New Orleans Saints, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 49ers, the Texans, the Raiders, the Dolphins, the Ravens, the Chiefs, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Buffalo Bills, the San Diego Chargers. Baby, your lost causes. Mm. I like the uh, Beck song, I'm Doing Fine Better, the one that's with, there's a bluebird outside my window. You know that one? Yeah. I do not know that one. Is that on that same album? It is, that and is it's Beck's higher ranked album. on my breakup songs list. Sea Chain's really full of them. Yes, that's what it's up there with "Blood on the Tracks" and wow. and "Late for the Sky" by Jackson Brown. Beck and Bob Dylan in the same sentence. Oh, I think it's absolutely one of the best breakup albums. I mean, rumors, well, a lot of people do think that. Yeah, "Rumors" by Fleetwood Mac is always going to be up there, but uh, Beck's Beck's album was great. I guess uh, Adele's album. I mean, Beck. Uh, Beck. Who's who in, from that early, you know, '90s, mid '90s is still going? Strong, putting out He's quality work. He just—I mean, I don't think it was necessarily justified, but he actually, in the most recent Grammy Awards, yeah. won Album of the Year, which was mm. a good album—the one he just put out. What's Alanis Morissette one now? If you had told me that raising her kids, Wes, and what's wrong with that, <laughs> Greg? Get on that corner. You're big on a woman's uh, rights and her body. Yeah, stop that. trying to police them. That's what you do. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's what Wes is doing. No, I'm just saying, like, everybody would have assumed when she had that blockbuster album that she would have been the artist who mm. was okay. carrying on. And you would have thought Loser, maybe that's more like the one-hit wonder. Right. Loser was definitely the one hit. it up with a much better album. Radiohead would be a band that is. Right, but Radiohead, like, I would equate Creep to Loser. Like, it mm. doesn't even fit the rest of their yeah. catalog. Mm. There. All right, let's get to <laughs> Good it talk. now. Uh, the Fork teams. Here are the nominees. Now, the goal here. Uh, is to fork 16 teams. This is our last fork session. Again, to clarify, when we fork a team, we decide they cannot and will not make the playoffs. Uh, so we have forked the 14 teams that I read off, and now here are the nominees. As we try to get to 16, we want to fork half the league. Basically give us wiggle room with four different teams in addition to the 12 playoff teams that we believe will be in the dance. Uh, here we go. Let's start. We'll go one by one here. We'll start with the Tennessee Titans. And now we have three nominees. We want to fork two. And if we don't, we're huge failures. We'll start with the Titans, who are two and six. You come up with another nominee always. You could. I, I, write-ins are welcome, of course. This all this is what was nominees that came out of our Danish um, uh I haven't even discussion. seen the nominees list. Here it is. 
Tennessee Titans, the first one, two and six, uh, buried uh, in the wild card race, but of course in the AFC South, uh, it is a whole new ball game now with Andrew Luck missing time. Uh, for the last month, I would have been thrilled about uh, getting rid of the Titans, but now, Greg, I feel uncomfortable eliminating them with Andrew Luck out for two to six weeks. I don't feel that uncomfortable because Andrew Luck's not out for the season, and the Colts are up two wins on the Titans. I wish with the you know if I was going to pick one of these teams, I would still go with the Jaguars as uh, much of they, as they had blown it. So I don't think we would be found wrong if we do fork the Titans. They are two and six. You got to win some games. I know they're in the mix, but you got to start winning more games than they just, just won. Yeah, that was their first win since start. The, the opening. The well, Zach opening. Mettenberger wasn't going to lead them to wins. Well, but Marcus Mariota was not playing well before his injury, and he had won many games. So I, I would not be opposed to forking. Well, let me just say, before before we bring anything to a vote, it sh- the three nominees should be known. So, you know, you don't want to fork someone when there was two other better options. The Dallas Cowboys at two and six have been nominated after their sixth straight loss. They must be in discussion. And uh, another NFC East team, the Washington Redskins, at three and five. Uh, so, yes, let's now go back to the Titans. Uh, Wes, your thoughts on this? I, I would keep the Titans. And fork the other two? Yeah. Well, anything that gets Wes to jump off, let's save the Redskins corner, is something no, I, I gotta stra- I'm in favor I have of. strategy on this. As long as the Cowboys are forked, the Redskins can go too. This is <laughs> this is the backroom dealing that you guys don't often Hell see. Yeah. It's more that this is what happens inside the conference room. I made a huge mistake during the last show. When Very I unlike did, you, Greg. When I did not stand yeah. up for the Bills, who I believed before the season were a playoff team and who are a talented well, team. Well, let's let's hear what uh how Greg's thought process this is two weeks ago made one of the biggest mistakes of his uh, <laughs> professional career and not fighting for the Bills and losing a lot of leverage politically in the process. This is how it went down. We were supposed to be getting bold. We know we're going to get a lot of tweets from the Bills uh, fan base if we fork them in Week 7, especially if they make a run on us. That actually seems kind of fun. It does. I like this. <laughs> All right, let's fork them. Whoa! Yes! Yeah, yeah Rosenthal! That was after five minutes of your couple, say after five drinks. A couple <laughs> minutes of defending them and saying how they were only one win away from being right back in the mix. I mean, the only thing that's changed is they beat a they won in a game they were favored in since that happened, but they're a talented team. The whole fork needs to be considered to be forked because we're living in a world you where we're this every year. We're yeah, but th- this let's time find I went along, wrong first. I went along with your little plan. Oh, let's get bold. Let's fork everyone by week four. I'm sure we'll know everything. At this point have we gotten season, anything wrong yet? At this point in the season, <laughs> we we are saying that the Raiders are not in the playoff mix. The Bills are not in the playoff mix. The Saints, and yet we're debating lame teams like the Cowboys and the Titans, and they're still alive. The well, whole tweak, thing is no. Is this is what we need to do. Troubled. We need to tweak the language. We've uh, said historically have no chance of making the playoffs. We if we tweak it to just saying they're not going to make the playoffs, we're covered. Even if we say that, we're saying that about two, four, and four AFC teams right now: the Raiders and the Bills. And I don't care what happens the rest of the year, really, with them. You, it's silly to say that they're not potential playoff. Teams. Do you undermine segments in the Jeselnik podcast, too? Or? I do it all the time. That's what I do. <laughs> the underminer. Hmm. Can't we just understand that we're flawed and we're going to get things wrong? Thank you. Wes. We're not unimpeachable. Maybe we'll tweak the formula for next year. I think one thing Dan and I talked about during the conference was 
you know, we don't have to go crazy about forking week three, four, five. Let, That's a the goal. The goal is to have the fork committee all decided by midseason. But maybe maybe you wait till week six, seven to really get the forks yeah. out. I, I could see both sides of this. It's it's a key part of the podcast and listeners seem to like it, but it is ultimately <laughs> a doomed exercise. It's an imperfect science. Let's put it that way. So but. Getting back to it, so Wes, you will. It's a little you're fatuous. Gonna, you're gonna you're gonna block the Titans and save them. I would rather fork the cow. I I really want to fork the Cowboys, and I'm okay with forking the Redskins if we also fork the Cowboys. I feel like we're in a good place here because I would have been uh, fighting tooth and nail to get rid of the Titans if that news didn't break with Me Andrew too. Luck. But that changes it, so I'm okay now that they're still existing. In fact, don't forget they also lost one of their best defensive players, Henry Anderson, out for That's the year. True. One of the better plus, rookies. Plus, we said we wanted to be bold. You can you can be a little more bold, forking the team with Tony Romo waiting in reserve than uh, than the Tennessee Titans. Really, my main you know point today was to make sure the Redskins didn't survive another one of these. <laughs> they should have been forked weeks ago. And as long as that's taken care of, I can go along I, with the Cowboys. I would Did you see what happened, by the way? What? Just as I predicted, Wes got put in a tough spot with his, his real team that he loves, the Patriots, banged both his little pet projects in the Dolphins and the Redskins. <laughs> sure. And now both of them are out of consideration. Well, look, I don't love the Patriots. They're fun to You're watch. Carrying that water up and down the hill. They're fun to watch. They deserve respect, and they win every year. What's so I wrong? I know, I know, I know, I know. I can't deny The Redskins that was just my anti-Cowboys project. <laughs> well, also, that's my Henry's going to have to use a spork for the rest of his life project <laughs> if they win the NFC East. Um, Henry Hodgson, our director of programming downstairs, has a mic. So, all right. So I feel like we're in a good place here. We're go what we're basically saying is we're forking the Cowboys and Redskins, which means the NFC East will only come down to the Eagles and Giants. That's logical. And let the record show I'm forking the Cowboys with gusto. <laughs> okay, it is noted. I will note it here. Uh, and the Tennessee Titans amazingly uh, have survived. Survive. Amazing. The Raiders didn't survive. The Titans could end the up Titans two and fourteen, did. and they haven't been forked yet. We are really counting hard on Mike Malarkey. Well, part of it is the likability factor. I'm all in on rooting for the Titans to win this division. I'm fine with that. Or the I would be fine with the Jaguars, too. So I'm good. At least it's a team I can root for. So the teams, yeah. So the teams really that we're leaving kind of out there to get the job done and fight for the playoffs. Uh, Does some good old-fashioned horse trading. Let's see. We got, yeah. We think the Rams are going to be in the mix for a playoff spot. Uh, the, the Titans somehow. Uh, we got rid of the Cowboys. Yeah, so Steelers and Jets, of course. Steelers and Jets, alive. Vikings, Vikings. Would okay, there it is. We have forked half the league. The exercise is complete. A flawed exercise, Greg. Yes, but we'll see how it turns out. Still fun. If yeah, I mean, if the Raiders end up going ten and six, uh, we will be a, a taught a, a very a very hard lesson. Oh, and we're gonna and we'll donate to uh, the Oakland area YMCA Boys and Girls Club or whatever. Wherever you want. Donate to keeping the Raiders in Oakland. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's yes. We will, if we get a, a fork team wrong or multiple fork teams wrong, we make a charitable donation to that city. I feel like that's very magnanimous of us. <laughs> right? I, I think we're we're the real heroes. Here. All right. Let's get to it now. <laughs> Our last topic to discuss Thursday night football. Yes, Rex Bowl 1, Jets versus the Bills. Uh a game at the Meadowlands. The hype is building, and it's you know all Rex Ryan based. 
And I, you know, I like Rex. This I wish Sessler was here right now because Sessler is a very uh, anti Rex Ryan figure and within the NFL media um, umbrella. Uh, but Rex really is not having a great week so far in terms of the hype. I think he he's trying a bit too hard. The uh, IK and Impali, the decision to make him the captain, that's one thing. But to really not even – there's no wink to it. He, he it welcomed that discussion when he announced it in the press conference on Monday and everything that meant. Yeah, it's kind of fun, but also a little – a little bit uh, out of school, I think, because no, Impali, this isn't just the guy who used to be on the Jets. He assaulted the Jets quarterback, Geno Smith, and now he's going to go out to midfield. And then on Tuesday, Rex came out uh, wearing a Clemson helmet for whatever his re- reason. His son plays on Clemson or something, just knowing that all the cameras are going to be on him. So look, Rex is having fun with this. but That's a little tiresome to me. The game itself, uh, I think this is going to be a very close game. The Jets are banged up. Uh, they're not going to have a uh, – uh, Antonio Cromartie, which might not be the worst thing, but their secondary is beat up. The Bills are flying high in terms of confidence, and they are more healthy on offense. I think this is going to go either way. Your thoughts, guys? I'm really fascinated to watch when the Bills have the ball on offense. They're, the performance they had running the ball last week, the dominance of their offensive line, and how good LaShawn McCoy looked going up against what should be the strength of the Jets, what really has been the strength on defense. Except the last two weeks. They haven't been. What's going on there, Dan, by the way? Why aren't they tackling in the run game? They were. Uh, they've been better. Uh, wait, you're, the, the front seven was fine. I thought against, didn't against on against Sunday. The Jaguars. They were terrible the week before in Oakland. Tavius Murray ran all over them. Yeah, they they did not have a good week, but they okay. They were better last week. Makes week. me feel a little bit. Better. And they actually they did something we talked about on Sunday with Malden. They've been getting a pass. They had six sacks of Bortles, so they did a good job. It's the back end of the defense. Everybody well, gets six sacks of Bortles. Well, Le- Leonard Williams has been quiet for a couple weeks. I don't yes. think that's any cause for concern. Mo Wilkerson is really the best player on that line. As much as they've added Sheldon Richardson and, you know, this whole line around him, of course, with Williams, Mo Wilkerson's having the best year, and he's been the most consistent. But for that team to go up against the Bills team, who really did whatever they wanted running the ball, is going to be fun to watch. And they didn't try to throw it much last week, but when Tyrod Taylor did throw it, he had all day, and if he couldn't find anyone open, he made them pay. And I, I just I, – I can't wait to watch this game. I like watching both of these teams now. Sammy Watkins had trouble with Revis last year when Revis was playing with the Patriots. And if Revis can do what he did in Oakland, where he basically took Amari Cooper out of the game, the Bills don't have a Michael Crabtree. They, I don't know. Cooper got o- – when Cooper got open against Revis, he got open. and what, I, That was one I wanted to watch just – on the the all twenty two just to see their matchup and man his footwork is is great and it might have just been Derek Carr being smart and just going away from Revis but he he made some plays that that matchup is great this is a great TNF what, game one thing to watch and this is uh, the book could be out a little bit on the Jets defense they no uh, no team is having to face more uh, uh, five wide sets and they're basically trying to counteract the Jets defensive line by just getting the ball out quick and taking taking advantage of a but secondary that's not playing well. Right, but the Jets probably want the Bills to do five wide sets and put the game in Tyrod Taylor's hands as a passer. They don't want to have to – I don't know. Well, I guess it depends if you think Tyrod Taylor can can beat the Jets that way. That's that's how you decide who wins this game. And that's how the, the Jets are expected to attack the Bills. Rex Ryan said you can start writing the stories now because we're not we're gonna struggle to get sacks against the Jets. They're gonna spread it out and they're it's almost like he was daring uh Chan Gailey, who's done a great job this year by the way, 
to to spread him out and do what they've been doing, which is Fitzpatrick throwing short passes. Your boy Eric Decker, by the way, I feel like he needs to get some credit. Just having a he's nice, having a very a nice very year. good season. It's the same player he's always been. Yeah. But everybody just wants to relegate him to some afterthought. Yeah, that's fair. Well, he yeah, they had him out of position last year, trying to make him the number one with a bad quarterback. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, number two is a much better suited. Wes, uh, Greg, the floor is yours. It's time to give uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick a little love. He's having a nice little he season. Mo- he moves very well in the pocket. He's very solid. I liked his performance last week. Uh, he's been very good. Better than I think Gailey and him deserve a lot of credit together for putting together what they've had. He's been protected guys- well. They need the old uh, Mangold back, though. I mean, you, you've been yeah. blaming Chris Ivory, but I don't know. He's getting hit in the backfield a lot. I'm not just blaming. I'm not putting it on Chris Ivory, but there's been a total breakdown in their um, – in their running game. And I don't think they're going to win that matchup against the Bills at all. If no. they're having trouble against the Jaguars in terms of the interior, the Bills are going to crush them. What is up with the QB? You guys love that ESPN QBR. I love uh, me some Fitz Magic, but he's ranked third in the NFL in QBR. That's outrageous. Well, how about that? He's been a little underrated on Greg's list all year. The, yes. I guess I'm trying to influence the QB index yeah, this he, week. What do you got to do to put him, put him ahead of Bridgewater and Cutler? Come on. Cutler, they're close. He definitely will be ahead of Bridgewater this week. That's what I'm talking about. Maybe even, You're right. He's, maybe even Flacco. He's been playing really well. I think he's been getting better. His last three games that he's played have been maybe his three best since the opener. Since Mark's not here, I would I would just like to echo the Rex Ryan sentiment. That subconsciously, I don't even – he just seems like all hype to me anymore. I just feel like whenever there's a big game, he's not going to come through. His team's going to be too antsy. They're going to be too fired up, and it's going to be all hype and no substance. This will be a great test of that theory because – on a short week, and again, I think that I think the Jets are vulnerable this week with what what's going on with them injury wise. You said Nick Mangold, what's going on in their secondary? Um, if if Rex does not have this team ready to play this game, you got to ask questions. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like he's good for the NFL. I like that he cuts it up, he keeps it loose. That's great. But sooner or later, you got to stop talking and start winning. All right, let's go around uh, the table here real quick before we go. Uh, winner and score, Chris Wesley. Jets, 24, Bills, 20. I like that. I will go with the exact same score. And wow. Belt. I'm going to go Bills winning this game. I, I, you I, would. I think the Bills win this game. And then the AFC wild card is just wide open, blown open. There's no favorites. I think they're the more talented team overall. Although it's really close. I just think they're going to get this, and that's how it's going to work out. So you're sucked in a little bit, though, because you got the Jekyll and Hyde Bills. I've been sucked in all year, though. I, I fully admit that there's a, a They could lay an egg here, There's too. a little bit of bias in me in that I believe this team could win 10-11 games. I thought it before the season, before seeing how Tyrod Taylor— I think this team has a really high ceiling. There you go. So there is the Thursday night preview. We will be back uh, on uh, you know our late Thursday, early Friday show. We'll recap this game with uh, Greg and Wes, and then we will get into all the— uh, the games on the schedule for week 10. We are just rolling. We're going to preview all those games. That'll be fun. We'll have another uh, special guest in the studio. I won't say anything else for now, uh, but that's it. This is Dan Hansis signing off for the mailman, Chris Wesley. Greg Rosenthal, also known as the boss. Get well, Mark Sessler, the sizzler. And Sydney behind the glass. Till Friday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the land of saints and sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment, watch it now on digital. Rated R.